to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Bob, I'm glad it's still an of course, because, like, it, it's hit Always of ready. course. So I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt, and you can follow us on Twitter as well at HorizonRT. You can follow us on the web at HorizonRoundtable.com, and be sure to subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. And Matt, um... Obviously, we're we it's it's infinite. It's this is like almost the second. This is like the second year in a row where the summer hasn't been absolutely chaotic. So it's pretty quiet. I mean, I, for being real, like it's it's quiet, and I'm not mad about it. I get to not think about Horizon League all the time right now, like wondering, you know, what's going on. Like it's it's kind of nice. Yeah, we were actually yeah, well, we were and and we were actually like we were actually like draft watching. I mean, because I don't watch the draft generally, but. This year we obviously did because of PBJ. We have a first round draft pick out of the league, yeah. So we have cool. a, the first, yeah. So, um, but uh, so we we've had the opportunity to relax, and uh, joining us is uh, somebody who has been equally relaxing. Uh, caught him on vacation in uh, wild and wonderful West Virginia. Uh, he covers the uh, he covers Youngstown State for the uh, the Chronic uh, Tribune Chronicle. Is it? Yes. Oh, Okay, the Tribune, the Tribune Chronicle, uh, Joel Wetzel. Thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate you uh, taking some time out uh, from your uh, from your vacation uh, to to talk to us. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to uh, glad to be on. Now, not to bore any of you, but uh, but uh, but Matt, uh, but Joel is actually uh, currently. Uh, he, he, I said he was in West Virginia. He's actually currently about a half an hour from where my grandparents used to live. So, uh, so that's how you, that's what you know about me now. So, <laughs> all right. Um, so yeah, so Joel, absolutely wanted to get you on. Obviously there is a lot of things going on on both the men's and the women's side. Uh, but I want to talk about the men first and I want to specific because by all regards, it seems like Youngstown state won, won the transfer portal. We'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. But the big thing that uh, the one big key piece that they have coming back is Garrett Covington, and I know you just did a just did a story about the Garrett Covington situation. So I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of what his situation and kind of what what drew him to come back to Youngstown State. Sure. So uh, when I talked to Garrett, his big thing was you know the, the clock's ticking down on his time, and he didn't even know he'd have this sixth season obviously a year ago so yeah. you know when, when he hit the portal I think for him it, it was kind of just let, let's test the waters let's see what else is out there and what he said was you know let's see what oppor- new opportunities might exist for me and then I think at the end of the day you know his, his end goal was still the same he'd like to make the tournament he'd like to win a conference championship and at the end of the day, I think he felt really good about returning to Youngstown State, given what they had done in the portal. Now, with with his situation, obviously he was he was hurt very early in the season last year. Mm-hmm. Um, what does the NCAA have to say about him getting that extra year? I, I I'm not really clear as to how he's able to do that because I know he's in that he was in that situation and Craig Bodwan from Cleveland State, who is now at uh, UMBC, is is in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it, it was a medical redshirt. It was, their, I think, their third game of the year, and it was their home yeah. opener. So he was under that threshold where the NCAA could grant him 
you know, that, that year he missed because of the injury. Gotcha. You know, what's nice is, and I've, I've learned this recently and I, I'm not a hundred percent sure this would have applied to him, but um, as far as waivers and all that go, um, the NCAA has given um, compliance directors and all that, like an ability to do a bit more. So I think they were able to get an answer on Covington faster this year than they might, might've been able to in the past. So I think that probably helped him as well. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so now you have, so with, with Garrett Cummington coming back and, you know, what kind of impact is that going to have? Um, cause he was going to be one of the leaders of that, of that roster last season, leaders of that rotation last season. Um, what is that going to mean this season and what does it mean, um, how is the, I guess the other question would be, how is that injury going to, is, is there going to be any negative impact from the injury from last year? I guess would be I, my other question. I am going to start with the second part of that question because it will apply to the first. So he told me he had a doctor's appointment. It would have been last Monday. And since then, I think the timetable is now four to six weeks and he should be cleared to fully return. But, you know, you're, he's missing summer workouts. I think he should be in, on schedule once the regular season comes around. But, you know, obviously I'm not a medical personnel to make that decision or anything. Sure. But he seemed pretty optimistic that he would be able to return in time for the, the season. Um, as far as his impact goes, you know, I will be curious to see how his role changes like you said a year ago he was kind of one of the elder statesmen of the team but this year the the pieces they added also are all really experienced so I think it's going to be interesting to see that that opening day starting five and where he will end up fitting into this rotation and with that I'm glad you I'm glad you kind of helped us segue into that because Again, uh, I, by by many regards, as far as Horizon League teams are concerned, why uh, Youngstown State won the transfer portal, and I want to talk to we'll talk about one specific guy first, and I'll get to the rest later. And that, of course, is a guy we've talked about multiple times on this podcast because he's been in the Horizon League for for multiple years, and that's uh that's Adrian Nelson. Um, with Mike, obviously, with Michael Akuche uh, graduating. Bringing in a guy like Adrian Nelson, who can produce as much as Michael Akuche has, um, what, what is going to be that uh, the the overall effect of him coming in? Because he, you know, I we've he was averaging like seven and a half rebounds a game, and he wasn't playing, and he was coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see him positioned as the? Do you see him positioned as the starter to replace Michael Akuche, or is that going to be? Is he still going to be coming off the bench there? I so if I had to guess by tip off of the first game, I would imagine he fills Michael Akuche's role. Um, I was able to attend a summer workout, and he was one of the ones that was just jumping off the charts as far as watching goes. Um, and you know, he, he fills that frame and that role very well. Like you said, a good rebounder and that's going to be critical because Mike Wakuche leaves a, a big void to fill. Well, and I imagine for, for Calhoun to be able to fill that void with somebody familiar with not only Youngstown, but the league and everything like what a great, great pickup for him. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things they really like about this year's class is you're, you're adding guys that have that division one experience, obviously Adrian Nelson included. And for him, horizon league experience. I mean, that's, that's really valuable. So I, I think they are very excited in large part because it's, it's a group of guys that have been around the block before and know kind of what to expect and how day to day should go as division one athletes. So, Joel, let me ask you this real quick. On, on that same note then, last year, um, getting uh, in the offseason, it seemed like there was almost a concentrated effort on guys with college experience, but it wasn't Div 1 experience. You know, Calhoun was really kind of dipping into the Div 3 pool, uh, a lot of things, where this year there's this bigger effort towards Division 1 guys and guys with experience. Do you think that was just kind of how it played out, or was that on purpose? Did, did maybe last year not go quite how, how Jared wanted, and he made the, the effort this year for the you know that Div 1 guy? I would say maybe a little bit of both. You know, I, I think certainly w- when you can get guys with that Division One experience that are just instant spark plugs, you want to. Um, and, and certainly this year they did. Whereas, like you said, a year ago, some, some guys that were coming from Division Two or Division III um, and now are headed back that way. And uh, like you said, this year, it, it just ended up that they, they had a lot of guys with experience and a few guys that they had run into before. I mean, they had seen Adrian, obviously, and then they saw Malik Green in a non-conference game, too. So I think that familiarity certainly helped. And I actually wanted to talk a little bit. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about about Green and definitely um, uh, Brandon Rush. So obviously you mentioned Green. Uh, you mentioned Green. We uh, Youngstown State saw him last year uh, while he was at Canisius. Um, what is what is Green going to be coming bringing to the table as far as uh, his his. Um, his skill sets are concerned. Obviously, uh, it, it looks like it's going to be um, a, a nice, healthy rotation between him and uh, Nelson, and obviously not to discount and William Dunn as well, and plus a couple of other guys we haven't even seen yet. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of yet, including mm-hmm. uh, Mattia Kunzo, who was yet another Horizon League transfer coming out of Robert Morris. Right. Yeah, I think he provides a nice inside presence, like you said. You dropped a few names there. I think the biggest thing this year's transfer class has done is provide depth. And honestly, I think this could be Jared Calhoun's deepest team since he got here. And I think he himself said that when we talked to him right after the portal, not that the portal closed, but right after everybody was finalized and signed and coming, is the thing that is exciting in YSU's program right now is how deep and experienced this roster is. Sure. But I think that's something to be said for the league too. Um, just because you, I agree that for Youngstown state, this definitely seems to have been a lot of depth moves and it makes them deeper than they've been as far as I can ever remember. And I think I've seen that in a, in a few other teams around the league. So it, it, I feel like in some ways it changes that the dynamic of the league where we're used to seeing, you know, even Wright State, you know, making the NCAA tournament with really an eight-man rotation, we might see some teams going deeper than we're used to. I I think you're absolutely right. I, I think this is going to be a very fun upcoming season for the Horizon League. I think it's ironic that everybody's expanding their rotations after Dennis Gates leaves, a guy who yeah. was Mr. Expanded Rotation himself. 
Yeah, for sure. So, um, with the tra- not just with the obviously we you you had Youngstown State has a a wealth of experience in the transfer uh, in in the transfers they have, but I don't want to discount the fact that they still have Dwayne Cohill, and you're talking about a guy who. It can easily be a first or a first team All Horizon League guy this this upcoming season. And sorry, Antoine Davis possibly make an argument for Player of the Year too. Yeah, I mean, I think Dwayne Cohill is that talented. I mean, he was a four star recruit when he originally went to Dayton, so obviously th- there's talent there. I think you saw as he got more comfortable as the season went, he really started to come into his own and. Obviously, he's a projected day one starter, and I would imagine he'll end up being preseason first team and in the conversation for player of the year. Sure, absolutely. The other question I had is with regards to William Dunn. Now that you have, now we saw him starting a few games this season. Now with the arrival, with, with the arrival of, uh, you know, even though Akuche is gone, you obviously with the arrival of uh, Nelson and some of the other, uh, you know, forwards that are coming in. Do you see that? Do you see uh, William Dunn getting um, some some starting, uh, keeping his way into a, as a starter, or is he going to be coming off the bench? I think he has that potential I think a lot of that's going to depend on once practices actually start and when they can kind of get a look at everyone and not just in informal summer workouts but he, he certainly has the talent to to start and if not certainly come off the bench and contribute and then of course and then of course you know Shamar Rattan Mays he's he's he was a starter at the point last year um unless something crazy happens I, I expect him to be in the starting uh at starting at the point this season um how is it how important is it for Youngstown State to have you know that consistent guy at the point like a rattan maze yeah you, I think that's critical to everything I mean that's that's what you want is having guys with experience in the system and then kind of bolstering that with some higher end transfers and I think that's what they were able to do is keep the guys that really were the main contributors last year outside of, you know, losing Michael Akuche to graduation. And then, you know, augment that with an Adrian Nelson underneath a Malik Green, you know, some guys out on the wings that are capable of scoring the ball. And the, the thing Garrett Covington told me he liked about this year's guard group is that they're all, they all play with kind of an aggressive mindset so I think it it will be an interesting year to watch the guard play at YSU so where so I guess my other question would be where where does Miles Hunter fit into this rotation with all these with all these changes uh you know that that's a, a great question um I I still see him contributing uh you know he started early on last year and then I think will filled that role um but miles has the the skill set to still contribute for sure i think you play him at probably the three and you know let him do what he did last year sure sure um so yeah as far as the uh, with this rotation and i'm sure we're gonna have a bunch uh, by the way joe lunardi 
Um, he thinks that Youngstown State is going to be the guy, the team out of the Horizon League. At least he does. He did it as of last week. I don't know if he's changed his mind four times since then. I think um, he's picked like six different teams in the past couple he, weeks. It's fine. And he's going to pick six more because I, I, I mean, you could put a blanket around. I think one through five. I think uh, the the first place through fifth, uh, the first uh, the top five teams. You put a blanket around them, and I think the answer to my question is who's going to win the Horizon League is yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's who's winning it. Yes. Well, some fans are going to win it. Not all. (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's it's a deep league this year. I mean, it's always tough. And as it always is, I mean, you you better hope you get that top four spot because I would not want to have to go to the number five seed or, you know, lose out on that second round home game. Yeah, well. Technically, since there are only 11 league teams in the oh, league that's, now. That's true you get, now, yeah. You do, yeah, that's right. So uh, whoever's the, uh, what is it? Yeah, whoever's the third seed is going to get, a, uh, unless they do something different, pro- the third seed is probably going to get at least one buy out of that, probably. So yeah, that's going to be a, that's going to be tough. That's going to be, yeah. you know. So as we've always mentioned, obviously with the, uh, the big thing with the Horizon League has always been, and why we keep ending up with lower seeds and lower seeds, and somehow these uh, the, the Horizon League teams cannot seem to, uh, they seem to terribly underperform in the non-conference. Um, with Youngstown, and Youngstown State uh, um, last season was, of course, you know, they, they were in the same boat as everybody else. Um this upcoming season, um, first of all, what do we know about the non-conference schedule for Youngstown State um, going into the next season, first and foremost? Yeah, so I I did a re- I submitted a request for any finalized game contracts, and three came back. Uh, they get Division Two Geneva early in November. I think they go to Notre Dame the following Sunday, and they return to Central Michigan. That's, well, I think the 21st of December. That'll be their last game before Christmas, I would guess. Okay. Um, they also will make the return trip to Canisius. I don't have a date on that yet. And outside of that, I'm not 100% on a whole lot uh, other than it was reported Jeff Goodman has them in the uh, the Navy MTE with yes. Navy and who was it? UC San Diego? Yeah, it was UC San Diego. That's right. So that is as far as I know what's going on um, will be interesting to see how they kind of round out the rest of that. Cause there's still a few spots available, I suppose, but sure. Now last season they had an MTE at the Beagley center. Is there any plans for them to, re- to do that again this season? Um, no, I don't believe so. I think the Navy MTE will be their gotcha. kind of multi-day event. All right. Um, I want to ask a question while we're talking last year in tournaments and all that. Um, last year, after Youngstown got bounced from the Horizon League tournament, they did a tournament afterwards. I forgot what I don't have in front. Is that the basketball classic? Which one were Which one were they? they the yeah, the, the basketball classic slash well, sponsored think, by racism. Yes, I think you yes. it used to be the CIT. Yes. It's hard to keep track. So uh, in one one question I know that comes up a lot, and I just want to see if you have any perspective on it, is like, what's the point? Because we always hear teams have to pay to be in them, and it's kind of a mess. And was that the one where they, there were scheduling issues and everything? Like, <laughs> Right? Right? Like, my memory yeah. serving me right yes. out here, yeah? It, so it, what, was, it was a mess. 
So that what was, did yeah? That was, what what did Jared Calhoun and Youngstown get from that tournament to kind of take with them? Do you have any like perspective on like what playing in those last couple two games, you know, kind of brings to the table for them through this offseason and into next? Yeah, you. I, I think to some degree, you want your younger core that was coming back to get some postseason experience. Um, you know, and and personally, I think going out and getting a team like Fresno State was a good kind of measuring stick for them you know fresno had the pieces i thought to maybe play in the uh the cbi or up another level so you kind of get to see some teams with a little more talent but i i think it was as much about experience and being able to send a guy like michael wakache out with another home game that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of these teams do kind of do that as an excuse for, can, you know, if that player specifically, if they go to them and say, hey, do you want one more game? Like, are you in? Like, all right, then that's cool. Let's do that. You know, I know self, you know, on this side, uh, Oakland, Jamal Kane was out on any tournaments because he was starting to prep for NBA stuff. He, he, he told mm-hmm. Campy that he was out. So, yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And like you said, you know, Youngstown's probably not going to play Fresno State very often. Like, that's not just someone you're calling up and going, hey, let's meet and California, you know, they were whatever, you know, it's just not happening. So I, I, I can see that side. It's just interesting to see, you know, after it's all done, what a team takes away from those tournaments. Right, right. And I, I would have been curious to know how different things would have gone had it been, I don't want to say better organized because I wasn't on the inside of that tournament. But, you know, if the scheduling con, if the scheduling problems didn't arise and all of that, how different their path would have been. That's a little, being in the inside of that would probably been like, like the whole playing Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness, the home game. I don't think anybody wants to do that. Yeah, I, it's interesting. Well, it's to your to your point that now if now we had when we had Jared Calhoun on a couple of years ago, I know that when at that point in time, because um, that that's he they that yeah. 1920 they also had won 19 games that year they had been planning to host that home game in the CIT it was still known as the CIT at the time they were still planning to host that home game obviously COVID wiped that out um is that kind of an uh you know and it seemed like that they were kind of uh, there wasn't it, it seemed like the feeling was that that was you know given the you know where they where they finished in the conference um that they were they were they looked like they were heading in that general direction again. And obviously they did because they did host that first game. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, uh, I didn't want to, I don't know if you know too much about this. I, I, I was asked, asked about this for, uh, by a Twitter. Um, do you know anything about um, any of the re- renovations at the Beagley Center? Yeah, um, I can't speak mm-hmm. to that a whole lot. It does not seem like it's on the, the front burner or that anything is you know, imminent in the very near future. And, and that's about as far as I have been informed. Gotcha. Almost right. seems foolish to change anything there. They've been wildly successful for against teams there. Just leave it alone. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't think the proposed changes are necessarily like wholesale changes to the, to the building. I think it's maybe more along the lines of touching some things up you know, adding a few different things, but I think the character of the building would generally remain the same. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's keep the house of heart attacks the way it is. Yeah. 
Joel, I have uh, one more question for you as well. Um, mm-hmm. Covering a lot of Oakland locally here, I get asked about Greg Campy a lot because he's a character and he, he's Greg Campy. But outside of Greg Campy, um, I do have to say Jared Calhoun is my absolute favorite coach in this league. And I don't say that because I'm talking to you. I've said it before. I think he's great. He's always a great conversation. He's always honest. What's it like for you just kind of like almost daily talking to him, you know, at least in season and all that? Like, is What's that experience like for you? Um, Just what you said. I mean, he's pretty much always a great interview, uh, you know, willing to kind of give us the the pick of who we want to talk to. I mean, he has been a great person to, you know, work with and a great, it's been a great program to kind of get to know in the last year. And for, for all of that, I'm grateful. And I, I am like you, I think he is an asset to the Horizon League. So do you ever worry about him, you know, is he going to be the next West Virginia coach when Huggins goes? Or, like, is that a concern for Youngstown Youngstown State fans, or do you just kind of ignore it and deal with it when it comes? You know, I I think the the bigger picture is obviously you would want to keep someone like Jared Calhoun. But if the worst thing that happens every, you know, four or five years is you have a coach, he comes in, does well, and then he heads to the next big job, and you become a place that – keep cycling those guys out Uh, on one hand it's tough to maintain momentum time and time again but on the other if you have the pieces and the resources to become kind of a nice stopping point for guys to make a name for themselves and then move on then you can find success that way too i had a question i i actually have a question that's not necessarily youngstown state basketball related but the announcement was made earlier the, last week of uh, that Jim Tressel is stepping down as the president of Youngstown State. Um, he's, I guess he's going to be leaving in what, uh, February, I believe, of next, mm-hmm. uh, 23? February 1st, yep. Yep. So, um, what is that, what kind of, uh, is there going to, is there going to be anything that affects the athletic department with his departure? Or do you think things are going to kind of stay the same? Um, I, I, that's a good question. I suppose the crappy answer I'm going to give you is that depends on who they bring in behind them. Gotcha. But yeah, I mean, that, that's, he, he has been very good to athletics. Um, but you know, I, I as far as changes go, I, I think that will depend greatly on who the next president will be. Gotcha. All right. Before I segue into the women's basketball team, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask about the fact because we mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast. But obviously, uh, the Horizon League has finally had somebody drafted for the first time in a while, mm-hmm. um, and definitely the first time since about 2011 we have first round draft pick in, in Pat Baldwin Jr. Now. Um, Youngstown State only had the now Youngstown State only got to play Pat Baldwin Jr. once, but Youngstown State did beat them. Um, is it fair? It, was it was the last season for PBJ? Was it really fair to them? Clearly, the Golden State Warriors didn't think so. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll be honest. I personally did not get to see him play because he was not at the Beagley Center. And the night YSU played at Milwaukee, I believe the women were hosting Milwaukee at Beagley, so I did not get to tune into that game. Uh, but but certainly, it it seems the consensus was he was a very talented guy, um, and I you know you wish him well. I, I 
I wish we could have seen more of him in the Horizon League, but you, at the same time, you understand, like, you got to protect, you got to protect yours and m- make sure you're setting yourself up in the future. That is true. All right. So uh, moving on to the women. Um, first of all, I'm sh- uh, who over there is who over there is happy that IUPUI has to start all over again. <laughs> I have not gotten to talk to the coaching staff, but I am sure the uh, the news of Austin Parkinson's departure was met with uh, little sadness. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, now. One obviously the one thing that they that Youngstown State has to contend with is Chelsea Olson is no longer there. Right, right, and what a significant loss that is. So, um, so I guess as which is ironic because um, so with her with her gone and and who else now refresh my memory who else is going to be uh, who else is going to be leaving uh, who else is is out of uh, going to be leaving Youngstown State. She actually is the only real major piece from a year ago to not be coming back. But, you know, (laughs) that doesn't put into perspective what losing Chelsea Olsen is like. So, you know, that's certainly, in my opinion, their biggest question mark is how to fill her void. So one of the things that, yeah, um, so I guess the question, uh, I guess the other question would be then, um, as far as I'm looking at that while well, I'm sitting here looking at the stats. So um, I know Kyle Rossi has mentioned multiple times that maybe Allback is the best, one of the best defensive players in mm-hmm. the conference. Is that, is that still going to remain true next season? Oh, uh, seems like it's going to. Yeah, absolutely. Just, she is tenacious and probably in my opinion, the best perimeter defender in the league I don't see that changing and I don't see her role as taking on the other team's number one guard changing unless there's a matchup issue there but yeah for for sure that's where she shines and now I mean while we while we're talking about the departure of Chelsea Olsen Lily Ritz is coming back correct correct all right, so then, so and she was the leading scorer last season, so you're certainly not losing anything on that front. No, and I they are pairing her up now with Emily Saunders, a transfer from Tennessee, um, four star recruit out of high school, actually down here in West Virginia and Wyoming East. So I, in my opinion, between Lily Ritz and Emily Saunders, you're probably talking the best one-two front court punch in in the league yeah so yeah that kind of segues into my you know having having somebody like Saunders who was at who was at Tennessee and now she's at she's at Youngstown State I mean when you look at that roster and you only lose Chelsea Olsen but you get in uh, somebody like Saunders um how does that how does that allow Youngstown State to because I know that they're chomping at the bid to get that to get that to get that tournament uh, bid. They are you know they were they were knocking on the door this season too. Yeah, you know, I personally think if they're I would be stunned if they're not preseason number one, and if they're not, they're certainly not further than number two or three. So, you know, given the the transfer class they brought in, they they 
should be contending this year, I would imagine, unless something really goes off the rails. Sure. And then, uh, you know, obviously, and then you had a you kind of a different, you know, between um, Ritz and, and Olsen and Allback. Um, the other question would be because it seemed like they were uh, that John Barnes was rotating about uh, had about six different players starting this last season. Is that still going to be is that still going to be the case with Saunders coming in, or is they he's going to is he going to tighten up that starting rotation a little bit more? You know, the the thing I will be curious to see is last year they loved to run Lily Ritz underneath and then surround her with a lot of guards that can drive and shoot. Um, the question becomes, do you start Lily Ritz and Emily Saunders both at once and just put them both on the court and say, try and defend this? I would guess you probably do. Uh, but if not, they have added a, a good stable of guards through the portal. They bring some really nice pieces back. You know, Malia Magestro is going to be going into her third season in the program. She's one I would keep an eye on. Uh, you know, Megan Callahan's got plenty of Horizon League experience between YSU and Robert Morris. So I, I think they're, in my opinion, probably deeper this year at guard than they maybe have been before. And I would be remiss if I didn't at least ask about the rivalry between Youngstown State and Cleveland State, because that seems to be that seems to be a thing. At yeah, what Kyle, that seems what Kyle, that seems what, seems to me what Kyle keeps mentioning that that seems to be a thing, which is interesting because for years as a Cleveland State guy, I've been begging for a rivalry between Cleveland State and Youngstown State. Sounds like I got it on the women's side. Kyle's going to talk it into existence, is what it is. I think yeah. he didn't. I don't think he needs to. Um. So I would tell you, last season there were a few games that felt postseason esque. Uh, when they hosted Akron, which obviously is a regional opponent, um, IUPUI for pretty obvious reasons, and then sure. Cleveland, Cleveland State, that game was as intense as any game I've covered in this profession, and it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, that that's the kind of that's kind of what you want, right? Like you want yeah. someone like that that's like, man, they're coming to town, and really to kind of give you that experience of playing in big games. So I, I think it's a good thing that that's kind of budding into what it is. I've, I've been begging for it for years. <laughs> I'll take what I can get. Absolutely. <laughs> um, now, as far as their, now, as far as the, their um, non-conference schedules, do you know any, what do you, do you know anything about what that's shaping up to look like? Uh, we did. So I requested women's contracts too and got nothing back. Nothing huh. had been finalized. I would imagine it'll look pretty similar to last year, probably a power five game. And then just a collection of more regional uh, mid majors. Right. Matt, do you have anything else? Sorry, I have to unmute myself. That's how this works. Um, <laughs> I'm new to apparently uh, I really don't As, on the women's side. I've, I'm a little bit uh, disengaged right now because of local issues. Um, so I enjoy hearing yep. about it and catching up, but, uh, I, I don't really have much on the women's side. I have to be honest. All right. All right. Well, well, Joel, um, that'll wrap it up for us. Um, Joel, thank you once again, uh, for joining us. Tell everybody where they can find you online. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Joel Wetzel and Wetzel is spelled with an H. All right. Great. And that's going to wrap it up for us. Um, 
not sure what we got going on for the rest of the summer, but pay attention to our Twitter account. I'm sure we're going to have a few things pop up very, very soon. I definitely have some Oakland content coming very soon. I, I keep teasing it, and I'm teasing it for the right reasons. I promise I'm going to deliver on this. It's coming. And probably, that some, will, probably some podcasts with it. Yes, and that will uh, be a podcast aside. His uh, his uh, his article, his much anticipated article about Oakland, along with all of our the content, our back episodes, you can find on HorizonRoundtable.com. You can pull us up wherever podcasts are found, and of course, you can pull us up on your Amazon or Google devices. So tune in next time. We we won't we won't stay away too long, but tune in next time. And until then, thank you all for listening.